And welcome to Elevated Game Time, Episode 2. This time around, just Adam Hipsky and Drew Pavan in the house. Mikey Hayden taking a little family vacation. He will not be with us today, but he for sure will be back for Episode 3. But here I am with Drew Pavan, ready to get Episode going for you. Always, always. All right, Drew, We uh, I, in our Twitter bio, we have that our shows will come out weekly Thursday uh, at 12 noon. But for this week, episode two, we thought we would push it back a day due to a little preseason NFL action getting underway to you Thursday night. And we thought we can come out with an episode Friday and discuss a little preseason football with you guys. So last night, uh, I believe m- many teams were uh, were active last night to open up their preseason uh, to open up their preseason schedule. There was a Hall of Fame game a couple weeks ago between the the Bears and the Falcons, I believe. But uh, last night we had a total of about twenty teams. About twenty teams. Uh, played last night, 10 games. And uh, the what we're going to focus on today, me and Drew, is the rookie quarterbacks. Uh, rookie quarterback Kyler Murray, rookie quarterback Daniel Jones, rookie quarterback Dwayne Haskins, all first-round picks. The Daniel Jones pick, highly controversial. Drew is a Giants fan, so he's probably yeah. got uh, the best idea on his thoughts on Daniel Jones. But, uh, Drew, I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on uh, how Daniel looked last night in preseason. You know, I, I think all the Giants quarterbacks looks good, looked good last night, except Eli, who had one drive but lasted three plays. But Daniel Jones looked probably the most impressive just on an overall standard because how many people were watching him specifically? You know, mm-hmm. Kyle Loletta and – uh, Alex Tanney, the other two quarterbacks, had great nights, great nights. But Daniel Jones went five for five, 67 yards, one touchdown, and one drive, which is where great stats for a kid that people were objectifying a lot just because of what he did at Duke. You know, he's the biggest question coming out of this rookie class. What can this kid do? Either the sky's the limit or he's going to crash down, burn, and fall. The question that... is, Go does ahead. he have what it takes? Yeah, I mean, Daniel Jones, he was the one – I'd say he was definitely the most controversial pick early in the draft. Everyone thought Dwayne Haskins was the most NFL-ready quarterback due to his size and his arm strength. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray obviously went first overall and first quarterback overall, and he's small, 5'11", obviously mm-hmm. doesn't have the arm Dwayne Haskins does, doesn't have the NFL-ready body. But what I want to talk about next is Dwayne Haskins didn't have – as great of a night, eight for 14, 117 yards, two interceptions, and got brought down with a sack twice. So my question is, I know Daniel Jones only had one drive, and I know Haskins had multiple, but, I mean, and it's the first preseason game, but where does this go on, uh, on, the, on the Giants? I mean, do you think that they made the right decision? Well, like you said, it's preseason. It's way too early to make that call, but Right now, you know, it, it's the rookie jitters. You know, Haskins came out a little nervous, obviously. Jones went out there, went confident. He made a couple 
that one touchdown pass he threw, I thought was a little questionable, honestly, as a football perspective. But, you know, he was able to – he knew himself. He knew he was able to get that ball into that tight spot, and he did it well, you know. But it, time will only tell. That's the biggest question with these two quarterbacks. All right, and this isn't really, I would say, a, a football-specific question, but going to our other first-round rookie quarterback, Kyler Murray. Obviously, you know, elevated game time wasn't around when he made this decision, but I feel like it's an interesting enough topic that it's still relevant now. Obviously, Kyler Murray, a top-ten pick in baseball, top-ten went to the Oakland A's, also got drafted first overall in the NFL draft. Do you think Kyler Murray made the right decision? Yes, and look, as he, I think baseball being a first-round pick, you have a bigger, you have a bigger chance to make more money, but the chances that you're going to make the majors are even smaller. He, he, everybody knew he was going to be a first pick if he chose football. Yeah. When he won that Heisman, everybody was like, "Oh, this kid has potential to be go first round, top five. And then when Arizona got the pick, and then Cliff Kingsbury became the coach. Everybody was like, wow, this kid can do it. This kid can be the first pick of the draft. Yeah. I think he deserved I think he deserved it. You know, the height was only the big question with him. But, you know, that new age of smaller quarterbacks have coming in. Baker Mayfield, six foot. Russell Wilson, six foot. But these guys, the, they're bringing a whole new era. I think Kyler Murray is the, the predecessor of all these other guys. And I think he's the future of short quarterbacks in the league who are mobile enough and have big arms. You know, he played well last night. You know, he didn't do terrible. Yeah. You know, he – I think he had one drive, I believe it was, but he he did well. He went six for seven with only 44 yards, and he got sacked once. But still, six for seven completion-wise is very good. Yardage isn't right where you want it, but, you know, shows promise as a quarterback. The part that I think that – makes everyone nervous about him is just his size overall. He's only 5'11", very small, doesn't weigh a ton. And you look at Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins have much more NFL-ready starting quarterback bodies. But Kyler Murray, he can move. He fits perfectly with with, uh, Cliff Kingsbury's offense. And I don't know. Right now, I think he made the right decision. It, It surely looks like it. Uh, especially with last night. Didn't know how we would do. Obviously, it wasn't regular season. Obviously, it wasn't uh, real, the the true starting 11 on defense. But I think he, I think he looks promising. And uh, so I'm going to move on here with another little football because uh, it kind of ties into preseason. And Tom Brady this week signed a two-year contract extension. And uh, his backup, Jared Stidham, played last night in the preseason – Played fairly well, and that's what we're going to get to at the end. But first, I want to talk about Tom Brady's two-year contract extension. Drew, next two years, obviously, Tom Brady's been dominating the NFL Super Bowl champ as of right now and has been multiple times the past couple years. What does this mean for the NFL going forward as he shows that he can still dominate the league? I think it just shows that he's going to be here for two more years and the league better watch out because that's possibly two more Super Bowl runs for the Patriots. And that's enough time for Jarrett Stidham, as you mentioned, who we'll talk about in a little bit, for him to grow. But Tom Brady, I think, has got two more years left in the tank. I think he's telling everybody, this is what I'm going to do right here. Two more years, 
and I'm done. And, you know, he's in the perfect shape to do it. People are saying, oh, you know, this might be the season where he might not do it and, you know, he might not look the best and everybody's going to start to question him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was his last season last year. Yeah. He didn't look the greatest in the regular season, but he got it done in the playoffs. Lost. And he got it done in the postseason and he got it done in the Super Bowl. Lost but that's it. what he's known yeah. for. Yeah, and lost his best receiver too, which kind of made me even more skeptical on what just what his future would look like. Loses Gronk and loses Chris Hogan to the Panthers. But Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady are one of the best throwing catching duos in the NFL. And now that Gronk is gone, I didn't I didn't know what Brady's future had. But this two year contract extension makes me feel like that this is the end for him, this final two years. And he's going to obviously Belichick, one of the greatest minds in football history. And I think the Patriots are going to make more runs. I think they'll make two more runs. I think they'll make the playoffs. I don't think you can count them out. Brady's 42 years old. Uh, Looks like he'll wrap up his NFL career by the time he's 44, 45 years old. But the guy's a three-time NFL MVP, six-time Super Bowl champion, four-time Super Bowl MVP. I mean, you just can't – I mean, you just can't think he's going to get washed up in the next two years, especially after the guy comes off a fresh uh, Super Bowl champion, you know. Yeah, I don't think he would have quit after that win. But if he didn't make it there, I definitely would have questioned his retirement this offseason. Him and Gronk both going down for the Patriots. Could you imagine what that would mean for the Patriots? Oh, God, that would have been – Sports would have been the NFL would have been shook. That whole AFC conference. Yeah, that would have been crazy. I don't. I don't think they would have been ready for that. But I, I just want to acknowledge how you mentioned that he he lost a lot of guys. You know, he lost Danny Amendola, Chris Hogan, Gronk, like you mentioned. Mm. He still got he still got Edelman. You know that veteran slot guy he has. They brought Ben Watson in a, vi- a big veteran tight end. You know Jarrett Stidham, who's going to be the future. Had a great night last night. 14 for 24, 179 yards, one touchdown, probably the future. So two years to grow under Brady, that's New England's future right there. But I also want to acknowledge their first-round pick yeah, this year, yeah, Akeel yeah. Harry. Uh-huh. He only had uh, two catches for 36 yards, but that one catch he had was a nice 25-yard uh, reception. Right in between of two defenders, Brian Hoyer threw it right in the middle, caught it, great throw. That's a guy I'm going to tell you. Definitely watch out for for your fantasy leagues this year because that kid is going to be a beast. He's number one on my boards right now to be one of my big sleepers. Not even a sleeper. I think he's going to erupt. Big kid, fast kid out of Arizona State. Going to do big things with Brady this year. And the other thing is the Patriots, so smart in the draft as usual. Like you said, lose Amendola, lose Hogan, lose Gronk. They go out and they get a monster of a wide receiver. And I agree. I agree with the whole fantasy thing because he probably will be one of Brady's along with Edelman. He'll be Brady's second target. And, uh, you know, Brady obviously likes to throw the ball not as much as they – I mean, they're probably one of the more run-heavy offenses in the NFL, although they do like to spread it out and throw the ball every once in a while. Nikhil Harry, obviously – Tom Brady has the best, uh, one of the best completion percentages in a long, you know, of all time. And Nikhil Harry going in right there in that offense, that that catch last night, that just shows what the future could look like for him. And uh, getting put with one of the best uh, coaches of all time, football history, I really like that. All right, Jared Stidham, 
last night, 14 for 24, 179 yards, and one touchdown. Tom Brady, like we said, we think he's going out in two years and wrapping up his NFL career. Do you think Jared Stidham is the future of Patriots football? Right now, yeah. Well, it, I understand it's preseason as a rookie, but you have the, as you mentioned earlier, the greatest coach of all time, arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time. You have arguably the best quarterback of all time. You have two years to learn under both of them. This is a great experience for any quarterback. This is why Jimmy Garoppolo, when he played those three games or two, three games, whatever he played when Brady was suspended, he showed his potential and the 49ers struck because now he is one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. And this guy's barely even played 10 games in his NFL career. Man got paid for playing. Yeah. I believe it, I, I, I'm not positive, but I believe it was a four game suspension. And the fact that he got not that, like you said, he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks of all time. And he got that contract by playing four games and probably just playing garbage time when Brady when Brady's day was done and he had already wrapped up the W. So yeah. that's that's what I have. That's what Drew has on NFL preseason action from last night. We thought that'd be an interesting enough subject where we could delay the uh, release of episode two. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Carmelo Anthony, one of, uh, in my opinion, a future basketball Hall of Famer, why he has not found a team yet. And uh, we'll be right back. And welcome back to episode two of Elevated Game Time. Me and Drew Pavan here. Now back to discussing Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo, in my opinion, a future Hall of Famer. uh, One of the greatest all-time scorers in the game. Uh, that I've ever seen, at least. Drew, you think he's going to be a Hall of Famer? Yeah, definitely. For what he's done in basketball as a whole, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. Ten-time NBA All-Star, two-time All-NBA second team, four-time All-NBA third team. In 2013, he was the NBA scoring champion. I mean, that ten-time NBA All-Star really makes me think, how could this guy not be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, you can't also, get, yeah, yeah I, ju- I hate to cut you off, but also the Basketball Hall of Fame is about all basketball. He won a national championship with Syracuse his freshman year high school of college. Mm-hmm. I yep. think this 100% this guy should be in the uh, NBA Hall of Fame. NCAA, NCAA Final Four most outstanding player, too, on that Final Four run that he took. Yep. His number 15 retired by Syracuse. So my question is, why hasn't Carmelo found a team? And I don't think he's washed up. I don't think he is. I think no. he's old. I wouldn't say old. I'd say older. Uh, obviously, he's only 35 years old. I think he's still got a couple of years left in his tank. And I I don't know, man. I think I don't think he's washed up. I think he's still got a good couple of years left in his career. He's a, he's a future Hall of Famer. Why hasn't he found a team yet? Honestly, it's... When he, when he got traded from the Knicks, I think he was in two bad situations for him because the way he is, he is that self kind of player. I don't want to say he's selfish because, you know, he's a, he's a great guy, but 
but he's always been one to be the number one, the number one guy who could score. And when he got traded to Oklahoma, I think it took him a little bit to understand where his position was on that team. Like, in my mind, he was the fourth scorer on that team. Steven Adams was like, I would have given the ball more to Steven Adams when he was on that Thunder team. And I didn't think he was going to fit in in Houston. He didn't fit, and that's why they released him. But I think right now for Melo, his best opportunity is either retire or go to the Lakers. Yeah. But he has to accept that he's a role player. But what I don't get is I feel like if the Lakers were calling, I feel like he'd pick up. I feel like he would sign a contract with the Lakers, which makes me think that the Lakers haven't come calling. Now, if now if I'm right and uh, no teams have come calling, what do you think makes teams rappel away from him and not want to give him that call and not want to try and sign him to a contract? Honestly, well, we don't know this, but it could be the asking price. Mm-hmm. It could have been way too high because the Lakers, you know, they, they need people on minimum contracts. And they've got veteran guys who are looking to win a championship in their final years, guys who want to win now, like DeMarcus Cousins, Danny Green, all these guys that are trying to put in all their chips to get a couple rings before they retire. But Melo, obviously, if he hasn't signed anywhere, it's either, A, the coach doesn't feel that he has the personality to be on this team, but Melo could be the best role player for a lineup as a free agent right now because we've seen him. He works out with LeBron and CP3. They're all a bunch of friends. I know for a fact they all still work out. And I know for a fact that Melo looks good in his workouts. Yeah. He even got rejected by – I don't know if you saw this. uh, I believe it was yesterday. He got rejected by the USA team. Wow. He asked the USA team to be for the World Cup, and they just flatlined said no. And I'm looking at his stats now from the regular season. In all of his years with Denver in the league since 2003, he averaged over 20 points a game, even in his rookie season, averaged over 20 points a game all the way up to 2017 that year in Oklahoma City. And he only averaged 16. As you said, you think he was the fourth scoring option on that team. Now, I think even though what I don't understand is he's he averages 16 points a game two years ago. And this guy, the next year when he played with Houston, averaged 13 points a game and only 10 games played. And he didn't even start those. He started two out of the 10 games and still averaged 13 points. And I know he might not have been the best fit for Houston, but you got to think a guy that can go out and play 30 minutes on an NBA floor and give you 12, 10, 12 points a game, you would think as a role player, you got to give that guy a call. I mean, and maybe you're right. Maybe the asking price for him was too high. Maybe teams uh, wanted wanted to stay away because of their cap space. But I don't know, Carmelo. Uh, do you? I, do you I think. Yeah. Do you think any teams would fit with him? I mean, we said that the Rockets. Obviously, we didn't think were as much of a fit for him as even uh, Oklahoma City was because. Uh, I mean, they released him after ten games played. Didn't even give him, didn't even give him more than a month. Well, I think there was more to that in Oklahoma and Houston. I believe there might have been more problems inside the locker room because you know those are two big personalities over there in Houston. Well, at the time, they had Harden and Chris Paul, and 
add Melo to that equation. I don't know how that could have went over so well because I heard Clint Capella's got has got a little bit of a mouth, but we don't really know everything because we're not in the locker room to hear it. Yeah. But if I honestly had to say one team where he'd fit right now, and I think that's the Lakers because, like I said earlier, he's friends with LeBron. He could fit in. But you can't tell me that Melo, no team would take Carmelo Anthony as the 11th man on their team. That that just straight up crazy. A guy who's never went below 10 points in his life. And I think in Houston, he came to reality and said, okay, you know, I'm willing to sit on the bench. You know, I'm willing to not be a starter. I'm willing to get in there, win a championship, take down the Warriors, all that. And then them just cut him. Yeah. So I think there was a little bit more to that. And I think it was a little of a slap in the face to him. But I think he would have been, I think he would have been signed right after he got released, honestly. Yeah. At this point, I think you got to just say to yourself, oh, you know, I'm not that wanted at the moment. No, nobody wants me on their team. Even, even I'm not it, the player I used to be, you know? I mean, exactly. I mean, we if all he know could it. come out and say at this point, to show how willing he is to be on a team. Oh, I I would be I'd play for the league minimum. I'd be a bench player. I'd come off the bench. I'd teach young guys just something to get himself on a team. I mean, at this point. Yeah. I look at the Lakers depth chart right now. And they're starting the ESPN's projecting starting lineup for them is LeBron, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins and the backups. The Lakers' backup small forward is Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Now, if you're telling me that if Carmelo went up to the Lakers Lakers front office and said, I know I'm not the player I used to be. I know I'm not going to go out and average 20 points a game. I know I can come off the bench, but I think that I can contribute to this team and help you guys go and win an NBA championship and take down the other team in L.A., the other team that shares the Staples Center with them, the L.A. Clippers. And if he goes up to them, I don't see how the Lakers couldn't offer him a contract. I mean, he can go – he's a scoring option. I mean, let's say let's say Anthony, Anthony Davis is taking a night off for rest management – or for load management to take a, take a night for rest, and LeBron's on the bench. You're telling me you can't put Car- Carmelo in to go give your team a bucket. Mm. I mean, I, I think he could. I think he's still. Got I agree. I agree with you. On on paper, this guy should be on an NBA team right now, but I think there's more to why he's not. Yeah. And people aren't just people have not heard it. I honestly, at this point, it might just be his personality. Because I think a team would have taken a chance with him, money wise, or just because the points he's putting up. But it has to be personality wise. It has to be, oh, a coach doesn't like him, a player doesn't like him. It has to be something like that Maybe at this yeah, point. Maybe teams don't want the drama and all the media attention. I mean, maybe a small team in a small market, like let's say, I don't know, I'll just throw out a, the Charlotte Hornets. You know, they're looking at Carmelo, and maybe they feel like their team, you know, plays better under under not as much media attention. And maybe if they do sign Carmelo – then uh, obviously they know that their press conference are going to be hammered with Carmelo questions, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe maybe that's what kind of kind of turns teams away from Carmelo. But uh, I'd yeah. say I'd obviously you know our opinions about it, but uh, obviously we wish Mikey was here so we could get his take on it. But uh, that's all we have for Carmelo Anthony. 
when we come back, we've got a little college football getting underway for us and a little under a month, about uh, about three weeks away from our from our opening night. And uh, we're going to we're going to talk a little Heisman with you and talk a little college football. And we come and welcome back to Ele- Elevated Game Time, episode two. Adam Hipsky and Drew Pavan coming to you uh, with our second episode, our uh, our last part of our trio, Mikey Hayden, out this week, as I said from the beginning of the episode, taking a little family vacation to uh, wrap up his summer before we get back in school. I've already started school, which uh, kind of sucks, but you know, we're here, we're here, we're recording for you guys, Adam Hipsky and Drew Pavan. And we've talked a little NFL preseason. We've talked a little uh, NBA, Carmelo Anthony. And uh, to wrap it up, we're going to talk a little college football. And we're about two, two and a half, three weeks away from college football opener. We've got two games August 24th, which I don't know if you'll count that as the opener. But if you don't, uh, I'd say about every team is going to be playing on August 31st. Uh, so it's exciting. It's exciting times. College football, one of my favorite sports. Love the season. I love Saturday college football Saturdays. So, uh, what we're going to talk a little today is a little Heisman Trophy and, uh, talk about a couple storylines to, uh, look out for this year. Heisman Trophy. Last year went to Kyler Murray, first pick of the NFL draft. A lot of people thought it'd be Tua. Tua Tagovailoa, and it didn't. Went to Kyler. Kyler had a strong showing towards the end of the season. Tua didn't have as much of a strong showing against that LSU defense. Trevor Lawrence outplayed Tua in the national championship game and looks like the Heisman frontrunner for this upcoming year. Justin Fields, another transfer quarterback, out of uh, comes from comes from Georgia, transferred into Ohio State, eligible. Immediately this year, look out for him. Jalen Hurts, another transfer quarterback coming from Alabama, now joined the Oklahoma, looking to go uh, back to back to back, looking for the three-peat for Oklahoma quarterback. Started out in 2017 with Baker Mayfield, 2018 Kyler Murray. And wouldn't that be crazy if the third, if a, a third Oklahoma quarterback won the Heisman Trophy? That would be pretty insane. I – I guarantee you that's never happened before. But uh, Adrian Martinez, a sophomore quarterback from Nebraska, had a good uh, had a good freshman uh, freshman campaign. Look out for him. Jake Fromm forced Justin Fields out of Georgia. Now he's at Ohio State. Just said that. Jake Fromm at Georgia. Sam Ellinger, quarterback at Texas, had a good had a good showing last year in the Sugar Bowl against Georgia. And uh, a running back, Jonathan Taylor, out of uh, Wisconsin. Many thought he would enter the NFL draft after his strong showing last year. And uh, he decided to come back to school to uh, either raise his stock or maybe he thought he wasn't NFL ready. And one of the most surprising returners to the college football uh, world this season is Justin Herbert. Absolutely no one thought that he would return. Uh, I thought he had the most NFL-ready arm. Uh, maybe maybe Haskins might have had a more ready NFL body. But I thought Justin Herbert had the strongest arm in the draft, could make all the throws, uh, maybe not the most athletic, maybe can't run. 
as fast as let's say Kyler Murray can, but I thought he was in a really good spot for this uh for this past draft. But he decided to return to Oregon. Return to Oregon and go and fight with this team for a national championship and kind of a, a weak Pac twelve this year. I'd say uh, Oregon definitely looks like the front runner in there in uh, that conference. But Drew, I just want to hear your thoughts on uh, obviously you have the front runners and uh, who who many predict will uh, take home the hardware. But I just want to hear one who you think will win, and uh, also what are some sleepers that uh, you really like aren't on the radar right now, but could have a really good season and uh, fight their way into the, uh, into the conversation late, uh, late season. You know, right now, obviously, I still think it's going to be between Tua Tagovailoa or Trevor Lawrence. Both, NF- at both national championship battle last year. I think it's going to be Alabama Clemson again this year for another big battle. But I just want to remind people that Tua had a monster year in his first season as a starter, resulting in him being the runner-up of the 2018 Heisman Trophy winning that Kyler Murray won. Personally, I thought Tua should have won the award as he put out very impressive numbers and only played one-fourth quarter all season, excluding the college football playoff. But the Hawaii native led the Crimson Tide offense. That was a third best in the nation. At, uh, I think they had 45 and a half points per game, including uh, I think it was the top five passing attack that had like 300 uh, passing yards game to a through 3,000, close to 3,950 yards, was fifth in uh, college football with 43 touchdowns, second most against only six interceptions. And for that, look out for that big junior year for him. But, you know, Trevor Lawrence, a whole different story. Heading into week five, of the 2018-2019 season, he was not the starter until Kelly Bryant decided, until Dabo Sweeney, the head coach, decided to bench Trevor Lawrence, uh, bench Kelly Bryant for Trevor Lawrence, the the upperclassman. Bryant was obviously very devastated by that, so he decided to transfer to Missouri. Watch out for him this year in that SEC to come out of nowhere with that Missouri team. But heading into week five, you know, I said that future – College football fans should keep an eye on Trevor Lawrence as a potential Heisman winner, but not being the starter for the first four weeks, buried his chances. And I was possibly a year off. Lawrence knocked off Kelly Bryant in his true freshman season. That decision by Dabo was probably the correct one as the Georgia native carried those Clemson Tigers to the national chip. Clemson averaged 44 points a game, but this kid, Trevor Lawrence, was – was in the starting quarterback in only nine games on on the year he tossed three thousand yards. I think that was twentieth in the country. Thirty touchdowns would, which I think was tenth in the country for a guy that only missed four games of the season as a true freshman. Put up great numbers, but this year definitely a big watch out for the Heisman. Big watch for the Heisman Trophy. So I think it's gonna be two and Trevor the whole way. But if I had to really put in one sleeper, you really said Jalen Hurts as a uh, could go the back to back to back for Oklahoma, which is extremely possible. But I'm going to throw another guy out there, Tate Martell. Wow. You know, this kid out of Ohio State who was waiting for his chance. He was the nat- two time high school national player, uh, football player of the year at quarterback. Bit undersized, you know, has the athleticism, has the arm, transferred to Miami. 
looking to be the starting quarterback there. Honestly, if he has that big of an explosion of a season in Miami and Miami really balls out, I think he has the potential. But I, I also want to throw out a guy who I don't really think will be there, but I think could help his team, which I've heard things where I think they'll be in the college football playoff. But if he plays well enough and puts them to an undefeated season, he could be seriously considered for this. And I know Hipsy's going to like when I say this one, Shea Patterson, kid out of Michigan. Yes, sir. Yep. Hip is a big Michigan guy. I think this kid, I believe this kid came out of IMG as uh, in high school. He was at Ole Miss, decided to transfer to, uh, to Michigan with Harbaugh. I think was a great decision for him. I think this Michigan team honestly has one of the sleeper teams this year really to burst into the college football playoff and really become a big threat. And here's here's the only reason, not trying to be biased or anything, but here's the only reason why I think Shea Patterson's going to have a breakout season. Jim Harbaugh, as you know, his style of offense is the pro style offense, not not a quarterback heavy, not a not an offense that really you can let your quarterback lose and uh, really make plays, which I feel like Shea Patterson's strong points. He's best when he's out of the pocket, when he's scrambling, when he can make plays with his feet, with his arm. And in that pro style, he's offense, a West Coast style quarterback. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of play action. Tight ends, tight ends are involved a lot. It's a lot of just handoffs, uh, you know, power rows, half, uh, halfback dives. And it's not really Shea Patterson's style. And what Michigan did was they went and they got the offensive coordinator that Shea Patterson wanted and Shea Patterson needed. Josh Gaddis was, uh, I believe, the quarterback slash wide receiver coach at Alabama. And they go he out was, yes. and they get him and who runs – a literally complete different style of offense runs, you know, RPOs and Michigan's got good wide receivers too. You know, Donovan Peoples Jones, Tariq Black, yep. Nico Collins, three of the best in the big 10 and Shea Patterson has to use those weapons. And obviously we lose Karan Higdon, but Michigan comes back and they look strong. And if Shea Patterson can use his receivers, I think, I think that's a huge, huge, huge uh, uh, sleeper pick for the Heisman. I don't think he'll win it. I don't think he'll win it, but I think he'll lead the Big Ten in uh, passing yards and, uh, well, I'd say Big Ten quarterbacks in rushing yards and passing yards. But another guy I want to say, as I guess would be my sleeper, is Ian Book, quarterback out of Notre Dame. I don't feel like they lost as many pieces as what uh, a lot of people are kind of counting them out after they got kind of demolished by Clemson in the college football playoff semifinal. But, you know, I think I think he'll have just as good of a season uh, last year as he did – or I should say, uh, I, get, I think he'll have just as good of a season this year as he did last year. And I think he'll fight his way up there. I think Notre Dame's going to have a good, successful season. I don't think they'll lose more than one or two games. And uh, I, think he'll, I think he'll play his way up into the top five, top three talk in the Heisman, obviously behind Tua and Trevor Lawrence – because I think those two will definitely go head to head. But obviously you got to think, you know, what if one of them goes down with injury? What if Tua or Trevor goes down with injury and you got to kind of think of outside the box, who else could win it? Adrian Martinez, I don't think he has a chance to win it. I think he's still way too young. He's only a sophomore. 
But uh, two will be gone next year, and I think Adrian Martinez might be able to play his way up into the Heisman talk next year. But I just don't think this year's this year. I think Nebraska is being a little, I'd say, a little bit overhyped this year. I wouldn't say Nebraska. I'd say more Adrian Martinez is being a little overhyped. He had a good freshman season. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but I just don't think. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they're. I mean, I I could see him getting eight wins in the Big Ten West. Obviously, it's not as strong as the Big Ten East. Yeah. But I could see him picking up eight, nine wins, and that's honestly a successful season for them. I mean, they were yeah. they were struggling for a really long time. I wouldn't say a really long time, but a couple of years. They go out, they get Scott Frost, which I think was an amazing hire, and they didn't have as good of a season as they wanted to last year. Didn't make a bowl game, but I think this year will be their year, and I think it'll be a huge part on their uh, on their path to uh, contention. I don't think they'll be a contender next year, but I say. I say give them uh, one more year, and I can see them playing their way up there. So uh, we're going to go to a, a little storyline, I guess a compelling storyline that I think is interesting for this uh, upcoming season. And when I say huge, I mean huge. A huge quarterback transfer class. I mean, you saw so many quarterbacks enter the transfer portal and find new teams this year. And a lot of them, I'd say pretty much all of them were due to them losing their starting job. And uh, because of other transfers. Yeah. Having to play quarterback too. So I'm just going to list a couple of them off. Alabama's Jalen Hurts went to Oklahoma. Austin Kendall, who was at Oklahoma now transferred to West Virginia due to Jalen Hurts coming in and playing at Oklahoma Justin Fields goes from Georgia to Ohio State. Tate Martell goes from Ohio State to Miami. Kelly Bryant goes for Cle- from goes from Clemson to Missouri, which uh, Missouri can't make a bowl game this year. I believe they're under bowl ban. But uh, Jacob Eason, who lost the, who looked like he was probably going to be the third string, honestly, is now going to Washington, and uh, he transferred there last year, but had to sit out last season. But he'll be he'll be eligible this year. And uh, Hunter Johnson was uh, the third string at Clemson behind Kelly Bryan and Trevor Lawrence is now at Northwestern, which in my opinion kind of makes Northwestern a sleeper in the Big Ten West. You know, I think the yeah. Big Ten West, it hasn't been as competitive in many years as it will be this year. I think Wisconsin's kind of controlled it the last couple of years. And uh, Northwestern did win it last year. But, you know, I I really I don't I don't know I just I think Northwestern Nebraska and Wisconsin are three all pretty good teams and I think they can all challenge for it. Brandon Wimbush went from Notre Dame lost the job to Ian Book and then goes to UCF which looks like he'll get the job there because uh, Mackenzie Milton will be out this year with a leg injury and Wisconsin's Alex Hornibrook goes to Florida State. And, you know, Florida State obviously had one of their worst seasons of uh, all time last year. So my question to you, Drew, is I know you were talking about Tate Martell earlier, so I guess I'll count him out of this. But what transfer quarterback do you think will have the most successful season next year and why? Uh, Before I go to that, I just want to say you missed one quarterback that I feel like could have a big impact on a team, and that's uh, Shane Buchel. Yeah, kid from Texas transferred to SMU. I don't think he'll have the biggest time as, you know, he did well his freshman year, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He thrived, but I think he down in the line, I think you could see SMU really come up a little bit as they could be a bit more of a threat. But, you know, personally, Hunter Johnson, one of the guys that I really checked off on my book, but I really have to look at Justin Fields. 
Justin Fields, believe it or not, was the number one ranked prospect last year in the 2018 class. And the second top rated prospect was Trevor Lawrence. The only thing was, was that Jake Fromm, as a freshman, came off the bench for Jacob Eason, who Jacob Eason later transferred a year before because Jake Fromm took his spot. And I felt like that was going to be the problem there. But Jake Fromm led his team, led that Georgia team all the way to the college football playoff that he already had sustained that position. He sustained that captainship in Georgia. And I knew that Justin Fields would have a tough time. And I was looking for him to transfer to a bigger school like in Ohio State where I think he could thrive now. Because, you know, the Big Ten's not easy. Pitt, yeah. You know this for a fact. Big Ten's not easy. There's a lot of teams like Purdue. Purdue could come out of the wazoo this year. You know, Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. There's all those teams there that could really push you as an Ohio State team as a threat. You know, but I think Justin Fields, because, you know, Ohio State always has that great offensive line. That's why Dwayne Haskins looked so great last year because he was never flustered. He was never really put to pressure in the pocket most of his games. Yeah. But I think Justin Fields could really do that. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up – if he doesn't end up being the most productive player after the season. He showed a lot of skill in small little doses in Georgia last season. But, you know, he, he said it was a business decision to move to Ohio State. I think that's the right move to make. Yep. But it, it seems like given that more numbers are coming from him, you know – that more more transfers. I think I think there were eight solid, maybe nine solid transfers of quarterbacks, but there were at least twenty five to twenty one big name transfers within the, I believe it was Power Five schools, which is you never see. But that was just a domino effect due to Kelly Bryant and Justin Fields. Yep. Because you saw Justin Fields go. To Miami, from Ohio State to Miami, people saw opportunities open up more. Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, these guys were transferring all around to smaller, little bit lower Power 5 schools where they can start for the next two years and really make an impact on their careers. I totally agree with you there. And to wrap up uh, episode two, uh, we're going to wrap it up with a fun fact, uh, the college football season. Not sure if you know this, but it's the the college football's 150th year of uh, their 150th season. So I believe, I don't know if it's all teams, but I know that some teams are wearing some uh, 150 patches on their uh, on their uniforms this year. But the fun fact is this is the longest college football season ever. It begins on Saturday, August 24th, and it ends on Monday, January 13th in 2020, which that is 143 days from start to finish, from uh, opening day to the college football playoff national championship. So uh, that's how we're going to end our show. little interesting fact. I don't know. Just thought that was kind of cool. Thought we could throw that in there. So to wrap up uh, episode two, I'm Adam Hipsky with Drew Pavon. Mikey Hayden will be back with us next week. Uh, stay tuned on our Twitter. Go give us a follow at Elevated Game Time. And stay tuned for our uh, episode three. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy and uh, take care, everyone. Peace.